Welcome to the IndieCast. For the last four years, bringing to you pop culture, professional wrestling, and a splash of crap. Now to your hosts, Chad and Shelly Allen, Zach Romero, and Luna Lynn. This is the IndieCast. It's a very upsetting sound. Uh, greetings, stop that. What are you in middle school? <laughs> greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IndieCast. I am one fourth of your host, Zach Romero. Joining me, two fourths of the host, two fourths of the, of the uh, host, Chad Allen. If you officially uh, convert your uh, convert your, uh, your, I'm um, scared of where this is going. <laughs> you know, and I'm botching it completely. Yeah, thank so, you. Anyway, uh, yeah, let's let it go. Thank you, Mr. Wizard, and your math skills. But anyways, uh, we are actually making uh, history in this season of the show Woo-hoo. with this episode uh, because we are actually uh, interviewing one of the inaugural members of Future Gimmick. That's right. The man himself. Anthony Lee. Anthony, thank you so much for being on the on the, uh, the show with us. Oh, of course. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. This has been a long time coming because Anthony's been working with Holy <laughs> Gimmick here for quite a while and we finally got our shit together and now he's... It's about, to, it's about to happen to her. Yeah, exactly. Just give us enough time. We'll get the shit together. And so uh, he is he is one of the, the leading talents in the future gimmicks uh, brand offshoot of Holy Gimmick. And... Uh, Man makes designs good merch. I will give him that. Now, Anthony, uh, for those listening who may not be familiar with you, we actually have a, uh, a little segment here that we like to call the lightning round. All right. Is that what that was? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so what Look, we're going to be doing on the board, here, lightning sound. Oh, uh, it does. It certainly does. Uh, so what we're going to be doing here is we're going to be asking you five rapid fire questions. And you can answer them as quickly or as lengthily as you would like. Lengthly, not a word. Big bug. Um, as you would like. So it we're going to start it with... Is, it is for me. <laughs> uh, do I get bonus points if I make up words too? Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, apparently. That's the kind of uh, fuzzy math and made up words is the, uh, the, the theme of this <laughs> I think, episode. I think we figured out the, the title of this episode. <laughs> fuzzy math so, and made up words. So, uh, lightning around question number one. Uh, Anthony, where did you officially train? Officially, I trained with about five different people and mm-hmm. kind of got bounced around a lot because I wasn't being given opportunities during my training. Uh, the official person I credit with my training, though, is uh, Steve Wilson. He's a uh, Congo Kong in TNA. He's the, the one that put his name on me. Wow. Now, you mentioned not getting the opportunities you were looking for with other training. Can you go in a little more detail? Like, we don't have to name names, but just, like, where at no, what no, point? No, no, Don't stop him. Name names <laughs> if you want. <laughs> we should definitely be naming names. Bird, bird bridges if you no, want. No, no, no. Um, at what point in your training do you go, hey, by the way, I'm not getting anywhere. I need to go elsewhere. It, it wasn't so much of a I wasn't being given... I came in with a decent amount of knowledge to the point where everyone I trained with is like, oh, yeah, you you're, you can work, but until you train with us for a year, we won't pitch you on shows and won't turn you loose. And then I would train. I started training when I was 15 and started bouncing around. I had my first match when I was 17, and then that would be at a very shitty little, basically a backyard promotion, but I was too dumb to realize that. There, it's Indiana. There's a lot of unreputable schools, mm. a lot of places that are not great. And I was the dumb little yarder high schooler that didn't know better. So I was going to the places that are like, "Oh yeah, come in and we'll work out a deal." And then they'd be like, "Okay, well you're going to get your ass beat by six people for no reason. Uh, sorry, you drove four hours, but you, we're not giving you anything except your security. And then this guy's going to punch you in the mouth and break your jaw." Hmm. Well, yeah, it's, uh, hmm. it took a while for me to get anywhere decent. Now, where? So, once you actually got your footing in a uh, in a training capacity in some place that was more worth your time, um, where did you end up? Was that still? Did you find like the one reputable school in Indiana, or did you have to go out of state? Uh, it was. I mostly just trained before shows. I would go where uh, Steve was. 
and I would train with him where I could. Uh, this was before uh, he's the head trainer at a school called uh, Body Slam University now. But I would mostly just bounce around wherever I could just train before shows until I started getting pit on those shows. I, I never I went to an official school and then worked all the way through there. I would train where I could. Mm-hmm. There weren't a lot of, I don't know of any actual schools that were around until I'd been working for about two years. Cause that's when School of Rock opened. Oh, okay. And that was the big school in Indiana. Hmm. Run by one Billy Rock. Yeah, that's a, and that, that's definitely kind of almost the old school way of getting into it. A lot, it's not like they had really hyped wrestling schools back in the, back in the day. It was, you know, in a barn somewhere where they just happen to set up a ring. It's uh, you'll, you'll hear the infamous story yeah. of like Hulk Hogan when he first trained with um, for the from the AWA, and legitimately their wrestling school was was in like a barn that was on Vern Gagne's property, mm-hmm. and that's how they how they did it. And then they broke his leg. Apparently, yeah. that's so, that's pretty close. Uh, when I first my first place where I got constant training, we would do a show every other Sunday at a show in. Uh, a promotion in Crawfordsville, Indiana. They had a barn. They would do a, an after a Sunday afternoon show, and then we'd stay till the crowd left, and then we'd do like three hours of training, and then we'd come back the off week and we'd do six hours of training. But that wasn't with anybody decent. That was mostly with secondhand trained guys being like, "Okay, well, this is what we know." Hmm. And then they'd have a hoedown, right? Which is that's just... and then we, not so much a hoedown. It wasn't a hoedown town. It was more like, hey, everybody does meth out here. That's <laughs> well, that's actually what it says on the sign. So that when you drive into the city, welcome to Buttholeville. Everybody does meth here. So the funny part is there still could have been a hoedown. In that that's one. true. That's true. I thought you were going to make the reference that there's also a Buttholeville in Florida, too, well, where everybody does meth here. Is it, so. Isn't that pretty much the entirety of Florida for, yeah, the, most for the most part? part. I mean, yeah. so. Anyway, so lightning round question number two. Question number two. What is your earliest... The longest lightning round ever. Oh. It's, it's, well, it's Florida. There's a lot of long thunderstorms here, so that's right. we're going to go with that. Uh, what is your... <laughs> Don't want to interrupt sound effects. What is your uh, earliest wrestling memory? My earliest wrestling memory? Yes. Uh, I actually didn't watch wrestling until I was 14 a year before I started training and the very first thing I saw was uh, it was uh, Crispin Waugh tapping out Orlando Jordan in 18 seconds uh, well, Andy, has terrible. anyone ever told you you, have a, know, you have a bit of an impulse control problem <laughs> it's that you, you watch a wrestling match at 14 and you go and well watched, that's it for me and he watched Benoit and Orlando Jordan <laughs> yeah, he watched a Benoit seconds. squash match and he's like that's for me right there start my training tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, more the uh, I, I saw that and then jumped in like head first and then it was backyard wrestling with my little brother and then moving to a town with some old friends uh, one of which is a uh, a uh, local wrestler now his uh, name is Jacob Johns and it was we looked up those old uh, UPW training videos with John Cena and Samoa Joe and we'd throw out futon mattresses in the backyard and we'd be practicing back bumps after school every day and then we built ropes, and we started running the ropes, taught ourselves how to do that. Before I ever stepped in the ring, I knew rolls and bumps and hitting the ropes and running the ropes and how to put together most of a wrestling ring except for side rails because we never had that. Well, you know, I would say I'm, I'm yeah. sure a couple more years you would have figured out the backyard equivalent of that. But, yeah, exactly. Um, that's amazing, though. Oh, oh uh, I'm, I'm getting the high sign. We're getting the sound effect again. Lightning round question number three. Anthony Lee, if you were trapped on an island, what is the one, and you could only bring one musical album with you to listen to, what would that be? Ah, uh, shit. Carnival of Rust, Poets of the Fall album. It's my favorite CD. Uh, it's my favorite band. So, I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling very... This is, this is where my, my current knowledge of things like uh, Sophia the First and the like is uh, is getting me here because I don't know who that is at all. I feel okay, so, uh, I feel so old right now. Have you played uh, Alan Wake? Oh yeah, okay. Uh, okay, Alan Wake uh, is a band in the bar. It's the Old Gods of Asgard. That's Poets of the Fall. That was the they did a bunch of songs for the Alan Wake CD. They did a song for Max Payne. No oh, uh, But then. I, they, there's a band I've been listening to since uh, 2006 when I heard their first album. 
honestly because of a Jeff Hardy tribute video that I saw. I think we've because all, I think we've all played that game before. That, I got into it. We've all played that game of the, like somebody edited together a video of something, and if it wasn't a Linkin Park song, then it was you know something. Yeah. You go, oh, I gotta track this down. I'm crawling in my skin. So, uh, hey, you got that reference? There you uh, go. Yeah, I got Linkin Park. I'm okay. I'm <laughs> there you go, Pep Pep. All right. Here's uh, question number four. Lightning round question number four. What was the last movie that made you cry? Uh, I kind of uh, I cried during. Guardians of the Galaxy 2. <laughs> <laughs> no, no shame I, in that. Not, yeah, no, I should have smelled tear in that one, too. I'm I not cry at way too many movies. I, I, I got, like, this giant fucking issue where I just, I don't cry in real life, but then I'll watch TV or a movie. I'm just like, oh, that's it. Fucking shit. No. <laughs> now, I will say I have a similar problem, so I'm curious. Now, this, this is going to be probably... Uh, I don't know if we're going to 100% connect on this answer. because is it, he's, is, it, is it the fact that you cried to the Charmin Bears commercial? Well, actually, I was going to ask, has there ever been a TV commercial that's come on that's made you shed a tear? Oh, no, never. Okay, well, oh, now we're all no. butch. Sorry. I <laughs> thought we were sharing a moment here. I actually do. There actually is. There is a guy walking around, and every time he sees an ad of something that he cares about, that thing starts following him around. It's like homeless puppies. Yes. And, indigenous children and stuff like that and then the music that goes with it I'm just like yeah that, that one actually got me I forgot about that no, one, the one yeah, I don't that, watch a lot of TV it's mostly Hulu and Netflix good man that that commercial especially yeah was uh, one it, it is very you know touching obviously the way they set it up but two there's a point where he's like like you said he's looking at like stray dogs and then the dog appears and then there's one where he's looking at some some type of uh, thing for like homeless veterans and then a homeless veteran appears behind him, and every time my reaction to that one is, "Holy shit! How did that? It was a ghost!" <laughs> like, <laughs> like the power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. <laughs> Chad got the most out of that commercial. The, the g- 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 ghost. Uh, <laughs> then, I, then I pulled off his mask, and it was old. It was old man Robertson. Oh god, damn it! You would have gotten away with it. Was supposed to be doing your friends. homeless dogs. That's right. Anyway, final question from this very bizarre lightning round. Uh, Anthony Lee, DC or Marvel Comics? Oh, God. Uh, I feel like there's a wrong answer. <laughs> uh, but I, I want to go Marvel. Interesting. But now, now, I will say that a lot of wrestlers who answer this question tend to say Marvel because they have their shit together for movies. Right. But now DC has I, Wonder Woman, which eh, might be changing time. And I, I'll be honest, I kind of like some of DC's TV shows a little bit better. Maybe because I'm a teenage girl at heart and think stuff like Flash is Yeah, yeah, is yeah. Excellent. I would say that's exactly the reason why <laughs> you get lost I, I in Barry Allen's like, eyes. I don't watch Flash or Green Arrow, and I feel like I need to. You should watch Flash. You can skip it, Green Arrow completely. What pits it over is... Uh, the Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and Iron mm-hmm. Fist, those kind of hooked me more. And also Superman's a bitch. So, that uh, <laughs> kind of is a big deduction from DC because it's their poster boy. Uh, I recommend watching The Flash for the actress that plays his like, girlfriend and a fiance and a wife now because she's smoking hot. Well, I was going to uh, say that my pitch for watching The Flash is the Flash has the worst rogues gallery in comic book history. <laughs> We've talked about this before. So it's it's a wonderful challenge for the show to go. How do we make Gorilla Grodd believable? Oh no, they had they had to put over King Shark. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, one of the one of the last episodes there. So fucking Mirror Master and bullshit like that. Like they had the top on recently too. Which is, oh, God. oh fucking horrible. Although uh, Mark Hamill played the trickster. Yes, which is amazing. So. Which is funny because he played it in the original uh, right. 80s uh, TV show. And, and if you that. watch, here's bringing back full circle, if you watch his original appearance of the trickster, very similar to how he ends up playing the Joker right. in the animated series. Yeah. Because, yeah, why wouldn't you? You go, well, this didn't fucking go anywhere the first time, so I'll like, reuse it for this animated series. Though the best part of The Flash, especially for the rogues gallery, is uh, is Mr. Freeze in this one. Because the guy they've got playing Mr. Freeze is the guy that used to be in... Um, 
Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you saying that there's actual Mr. Freeze in The Flash, or are you confusing him with Captain Cold? I am confusing him with Captain Cold. Yeah, no, I hate that. I, I was going to say, you actually has almost had me sold, because I'm like, <laughs> I've been waiting for Mr. Freeze. It's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. You're true. So. No, actually, I don't like the Flash TV show version of Captain Cold. Why not? Because Captain Cold should not be sexy. Captain Cold is, is sexy on that he show. He is dreamy. Captain Cold should be a shittier Mr. Freeze. Like, Mr. Freeze's backstory is tragic and beautiful, and his wife died, and now he's just cold and dead inside, and that is a tragic poem. Fucking Captain Cold's backstory is, rent was due, and he refused to get a job. And he was like, oh, time to go knock over a hot dog vendor with my cold gun. Like, that's a fucking character right was, there. Was the hot dog vendor uh, Pamela Anderson? <laughs> Maybe. I was just cross over to VIP. Don't you dare bring up VIP here. Anyway, <laughs> Anthony, let me ask you this. So being kind of this... this um, this grassroots sort of build up to you as a wrestler like you said you basically learned the basics in your own backyard thanks to the internet then you went from various training facilities what would you say for you specifically was the most difficult thing in wrestling training to wrap your head around because to say you've had an unorthodox upbringing in wrestling would be an understatement so what has been the most difficult obstacle for you in regards to wrestling training uh the thing I think that took me the longest was just catching on to the psychology of what I need to be doing. Uh, I'm six foot two, and I've always been near 300 pounds. I'm usually one of the biggest guys on the show. Like, I'm not that big compared to, you know, like, Kong or Abyss is local, and he's around a decent amount. I'm not, like, nearly their size. But on these shows, I'm always expected to be a big guy, but I like to take these big, weird bumps and I would always get shit on for it. Uh, so really just catching on the psychology, the way I needed to be wrestling has always been the issue. Hmm. Like, that's what took me the longest. Well, what, now I'm curious, sort of a punk rock uh, background there, what is one thing that you refuse to give up that you've been given, given shit for? Uh... Like, what's one attribute that you're like, all right, I'll change this, this, and this, but I'm fucking never changing this, by the way. Just learn to live with it, because it's it's not going anywhere. I really, uh, I'm always the person that's going to volunteer to take a, like, a poison rana, or, you know, I do a a back fit on into the corner, like the cannonball, and I'll be like, all right, fucking move so I can lay it on the fucking top of my head because it looks gross and no one expects my size guy to be doing that and the crowd will always get a reaction. Then I've been told, like, you don't need to do stuff like that. You're the biggest guy on the show and I'm just like, I don't care. This is what I'm going to do because that's going to get the grossest reaction of the night. Let's say there are some men who want to be world champion. There are some men who want to pick up the most women at a wrestling show. And then there's some men who want to get the grossest reaction That's right. from the crowd. Anthony Lee is that man. Now, uh, another question here I had was uh, somewhat of an anomaly. You are not only uh, a professional wrestler, but your wife is a professional wrestler. Yes, she is. Uh, so, A, does that affect anything in your day-to-day life? Um, do you have to cut, instead of having domestic disputes, do you cut promos on each other? Um, what is life Be- like with two professional wrestlers? Before making love, do you have to decide who goes over first? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, always goes over. Oh, there he is, a gentleman. <laughs> but, no, nah, it doesn't actually change a whole lot. We both are a lot meaner to each other. Uh, she's also my trainer when we lift. Uh, she is the one that writes my workouts and does my diet. Uh, she's usually the one that gives me ideas for new things to try in the ring and then vice versa with her because she's not had as many opportunities to wrestle. So like, we'll constantly just start chain wrestling, working through stuff. I'll tell her to start hitting me with fucking forearms because her finisher's a big-ass forearm. So I'm just like, okay, start laying these in because we're just... We'll get bored and just start running through stuff that we want to work on until we can get her next time she gets a match or I get an opportunity to wrestle every Friday, but she doesn't get the same opportunities. Uh, but it's mostly just we're a lot meaner to each other than <laughs> I think most married couples. 
because when we talk shit at each other, we know we're joking and we know it's not serious. We're just cutting promos on each other. I imagine like one of them is like making a nice salad in the kitchen. The other one's just, you know, working body blow, body blow, forearm, forearm, like attempt neck breaker. Like, okay, do you need Dijon dressing on this? Or? <laughs> They're trying to... Well, I think that might be more accurate if uh, I ate salad. But it's more like she's trying to do the dishes earlier, and I came up and picked her up and then held her in my arms and then grabbed the thing from the sink and started spraying her in the face with the uh, the hose. So Foreign object in the kitchen. That's, that's right. Asshole. <laughs> um, now, here's a question. Would you guys have ever uh, consider being an intergender tag team? If you haven't already. Actually, her her first match that she got to have, we won the intergender tag team titles uh, for a uh, guy out here named uh, Carmine. I actually don't remember what the name of his promotion was, but her first match, we won intergender tag titles that we've had for a few years now because we've defended it once a year when he runs a big benefit show, and we've not lost it yet. I was just and about then, to say, uh, I'm like, how do you win? How do you win the tag titles and then go? Yeah, she doesn't get that many opportunities to wrestle. Yeah. Like, I, you're champions. You should be wrestling well, all the time. Well, the tag belt, she doesn't remember the name of the company either. Oh, so that's, that's even on, you know. Indiana. They don't have a lot of women wrestlers. Uh, one of the few constant women wrestlers out here is Randy West, and she's a prince of the death match and stuff like that. She's a terrifying individual, so she usually gets booked against dudes. And she's usually that exception where she gets to wrestle guys every week. And then if they don't have girls around, Kate doesn't get matches. Mm. Or Satan. Mm. Have you guys thought... Uh, and then this last... Sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, just this last uh, this last Sunday, I, uh, I, I don't know. I think he's been down there. As, uh, I'm not sure if you guys met Sean Kemp. I think he was down in that area... WrestleMania season with uh, Trip Cassidy, uh, we had a he had a big graduation show this last Sunday where me and Sadie tagged up against uh, Randy West and a big guy named uh, Zodiac, nice. in which my wife dislocated her shoulder Please. by spearing Zodiac. Oh well, there you go. That should tell you something about Zodiac. When yeah, no kidding. Throw the move, and he's like, "And there's your shoulder. Yeah. Goodbye." Um, oh, Zodiac's about two inches bigger than me. About 40 pounds. There you so, go. And she killed him. Yeah, well, that's all you can hope for. That's right. If you're going to swing, you got to swing for the fences for somebody named Zodiac. True. Now, to, to revisit a lightning round question, Anthony, you said that, you know, basically your, your introduction to wrestling was through Chris Benoit. What would you say was like a, a top couple of guys when you were growing up, when you were first going head first into wrestling? Who were the guys you looked up to? The guys I looked up to, because when I started watching, when I jumped into wrestling, I started watching a lot of old wrestling, too. I, whenever I get into something, I like to learn the lore. Like, I started watching Doctor Who in 2008, and then I've watched everything of Doctor Who I've ever been able to find. Uh, I jumped back, and I old Stan Hansen, which is one that I've always enjoyed, and then I really liked uh, JBL. Benoit and then Samoa Joe when I started watching TNA. Hmm. Let's backtrack there real quick since the doctor came up. Which, <laughs> I knew you were gonna, which, the look on your face when he said Doctor Who, you were like, oh! Yeah. <laughs> so, so which, well, to so, be fair, when you guys were talking about The Flash, I was going to ask if that was the one that had John Barrowman in it. <laughs> um, no, uh, Arrow had John Barrowman in it, though I, I believe okay. he may have made an appearance or two on The Flash because they cross over all the time. Um, but but I definitely know. Yeah, he. he I, I watched Supernatural. And I remember seeing him pop up in the commercial. I'm like, I should watch that because it's the cat. It's Captain Jack. But he so, wasn't naked though, so the ratings did not go up. Well, that's true. So uh, a lot of well, that probably didn't go like, up. That's a, that was a very specific. That was a very specific reference. I was a very specific kind of nerd. But anyway, ask your question, so, Chad. I know you're burning to ask. Which 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 doctor is your favorite? Uh, Matt Smith. Really? Really? 11 Doctor. What, what about Matt Smith? Matt Smith has had my favorite story arc. Mmm. Which one? The, the fucking, um, the breaks in the universe. The one that spanned season, oh, okay. uh, series, you know, all the way through his, it was the first episode through his last episode. I I appreciated it. The overarching arc, the over, <laughs> overarching arc. Yes, 
He's a wrestler <laughs> and a poet. Um, his entire thing. No, no, Anthony, so now i got to ask, who is your least favorite doctor, since you've gone back and sort of revisited a lot of the old episodes and things like that? Um, uh, shit. I don't remember his name. It's the second doctor. He, it was, he annoyed the shit out of me. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I don't remember the actor's name. Did you? Let me ask you this. Did you ever see the... Um, a lot of the classic doctors. Did you ever watch the weird, not quite in canon uh, Doctor Who movies that were made in like the late 60s that had Peter Cushing as the Doctor? No. There's like two of them. There's like one, I think it's like Day of the Daleks, and there's another one, Doctor Who and the Daleks or something like that. They were like late 60s, so it's like Hammer Film, Peter Cushing, and it's like a semi-abridged kind of version of the Doctor for American audiences. It's really weird. I did a review of one of them, and it's a super fucking weird movie. Do you have that in your DVD collection out here? Uh, I might. I might. I might have to borrow that. Okay, I'll track it down. I've never seen that. But yeah, I would definitely recommend yeah, it just I, for I, the weirdness of it and going, what the fuck? Because it was right between, I want to say, third and fourth Doctor. And so... so right, uh, right before... Uh, Right before shit got good, as right. they say. Exactly. Uh, and it's just really, really weird and a total like departure of like, and suddenly here's this other guy who's playing the doctor. Right. And he's but, human. He's not like the, he's not Gallifrey. He's not Gallifrey. Yeah. He's, he's like, the one oh, I'm just somebody's grandpa and I got a TARDIS. Like, it's <laughs> really bizarre. Did you mug somebody for that, sir? Yeah, that, I wish. It would have been much you more interesting what? backstory. I actually think I made parts of that. <laughs> well, it I has like a weird race of, of David Bowie's in it. Yeah. A weird race of David Bowie? Yeah, they're like the aliens on it that are dealing with the Daleks all look like they're trying to be Ziggy Stardust. That's amazing. A little uncomfortable. Uh, but uh, you Especially know what, though? Now. Enough of this bullshit. Enough of everything we've been talking about. Let's get to what we're really here for. Anthony, by God, Lee, rank the top five Legend of Zelda games that have ever been made. Go. A kind of time... Breath of the Wild, Majora's Mask, Twilight Princess, A Link to the Past. Now, he had those quick. I was just saying, to those listening, you may think, oh, they had that worked out. This was like a little a little back and forth. They had, no, no, no. I just whipped that shit out, but I knew he would have a list already ready. Don't. Yes, poor choice of words. Anyway, so, and let's talk a little bit about your love of Legend of Zelda. And I'm not just talking about love like, oh, Breath of the Wild's really cool. I'm talking love like this motherfucker has a tattoo of one of the goddamn songs from Legend of Zelda on his persons. I have a little bit more than that. I also have all the Italians from Ocarina Time from the temples, and I have Navi on my fucking shoulder. Does that shoulder bother you all the time? Does that shoulder really annoy you when you're like working out and stuff like that? Uh, it, gave the, it gave the voices a purpose. But... That's true, that's true. Um, so what drew you into Legend of Zelda? Like, when what what was your earliest memory of Legend of Zelda? What hooked you in to go? Yep, this is my game now. Uh, I had a NES. My parents bought one when I was four, so it was ninety six. And uh, one of the games on it was uh, Legend of, or Zelda Two: Link's Adventure. And it was Ooh. one of my favorite games to play, to, aside from the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game. Well, uh, I found Ocarina of Time. When it came out in 98, one of my neighbors had it. And then I just was obsessed with that game when I was six years old. And I couldn't beat it until I was 13 because I was really bad at video games. <laughs> Fine. That's not wrong with that. When I was six years old, I played this great game called Pac-Man. Oh, that was out about that time. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Galaga? Was uh, Galaga was a good one. Uh, uh, Pong. It had the like the turn paddle for the old uh, Dig Dug. I like Dig, Dig, Dig Dug. Dug was amazing. Dig Dug, Dig Dug was the jam. Dig Dug was the jam. Um, that's fantastic though, and it's so funny too because I also had a situation like that uh, for whatever reason. Uh, my family was a very like anti Nintendo family. I don't know if Shigeru Miyamoto like felt up my mom at some point or something, but uh, <laughs> we had a Genesis, and then we jumped from Genesis to uh, PlayStation. So I never had a Nintendo system. Um, and then a neighbor had an N64, and that shit blew my mind. But the controller was hot garbage, so I didn't really get very far in it. But uh, 
Did they give you like the shit controller? Or well, is it just, the you thing don't, you don't and, like Anthony, the you'll know. You'll. I, I'm sure you'll agree. The the N64 controller was shaped like this weird sex toy, right? And it had like oh, handles yeah, on the side. There's like three dicks coming off the bottom. You had a whole <laughs> bottle. You that, had the third one in the middle with the joystick. Yeah, with a little G spot thingy thing. Yeah, it was basically as as he said. The original marketing plan was let's make a nightmare with three dicks coming out of the bottom of it. <laughs> Um, well, your nightmare might be somebody else's dream come true. Say, you said the controller was bad, but I don't even think they had third-party controllers back then. Well, um, no, but I, my neighbor had one that was uh, the joystick in the middle was busted. So, like, uh, so exactly. So, like, you'd be trying to move around, and you're like, you had to super commit to a direction. You couldn't and just I, kind of like. And I believe, it. especially like if you were playing like the like No Mercy and stuff like oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Wasn't, wasn't that where the finisher was? Absolutely. Like, you had to like quick hit that joystick. Yeah, uh, to... that was the twi- the twisteroo of the N64 controller. Was they had a traditional D pad on it that was fucking useless. Like very few games actually incorporated it well. Usually, it was like a. Oh, you can, like, move the camera with it. You right. had to use the joystick. By the way, moving the camera is so fucking annoying. I've never had any point of time <laughs> where I've went, you know, I need another angle for this. It's like, very rarely has that camera movement ever been fucking necessary. That's the, Anytime anyone complains about video games today, I just that's what I think back to. It's like, you never had to play a platformer with a ball sack for a camera angle, okay? <laughs> like, well, I was just saying... Now, at least now with games, you can reconfigure the controller layout. Like, true, so that's like, true. Oh, this doesn't work. I'm going to move this important button to this. It's true. Meanwhile, back then it was like you don't like where that is. Fuck you. Too bad. Deal yeah. with it. Go play another game then. You, you go. Piece of shit. You pick which dick you're going to suck right now while you're doing that. Guy. There's three of them to choose uh, from. <laughs> Anyways, um, so what were your other? Uh, I feel like I should defend myself real fast though. Uh, it took me seven years to be awkward in a time because I was six and had tiny hands and I was a big-ass fucking controller, and I did not own the system. I had to beat it on my neighbor's system. That sounded like a defense like, he's had to give on several occasions, right. by the way. You had that, like, locked and loaded. Like, first of all, fucking, Dude, this was the pro- I, this was the projection of my hand, okay? I in about 16 hours. Seven years is unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> seven years is unacceptable. Um, so what were your thoughts on Breath of the Wild? Uh, great game or greatest game? I it's what I've played has been great. I have not played through the entire thing yet because I do not have a Switch. Mm. So it's for the no, Wii U yeah, though. You I can play on that show. And I know what the story is, but story, I, I rank everything on story, hmm. and that's why my list is the way it is of the top five games. But the story is great. I love it. So we will have him back on in six years and six months from now when he's finally beaten it. Because <laughs> he had to borrow his friend. That's right. <laughs> My hands are too big for the controller now. It's fucking ridiculous. Well, actually, we I've played the Switch. That's actually genuinely a gripe. Because the fucking controller is like that fucking... It's like the size of a Kit Kat bar. So now it's like, oh, this is awesome. But it's definitely not going to give you a break, apparently. Yeah. Shut up. Um, I feel like I'll be okay. I kind of grew up and my hands didn't get much bigger. I'm the Trump hands right now, so I think I could probably handle a switch. So you're like, so you're like Robin on Teen Titans Go. You have baby. <laughs> I like that reference. I figured you'd appreciate yeah, that. Enjoy that. Um, so since you're not as much of a uh, a DC guy, does that mean you haven't played Injustice Two yet? I have not. You should. I, I'm very disappointed. It's I need to. Fucking good. It's like twenty two dollars on my iPhone, and I'm very tempted to just buy it. It's part of it's part of the reason we don't have some people on the show today. Cause that's we, true. That's not true. She's working on shirts. That's true. Um, so, what is your uh, what is your biggest grievance or gripe with the Legend of Zelda series? Since you are like the go to guy about Zelda now in, in this in the history of our show, <laughs> uh, I do not like Wind Waker or any game that came because of Wind Waker. It is my least favorite storyline. That's a ballsy statement. Dude, it's okay. Like, you know the whole lore and everything. Ocarina of Time happens and it splits off and goes three different ways. Wind Waker is the dumb one because, like, oh, look, Link loses, so the goddesses flood Hyrule. A thousand years later, no one remembers shit. Let's play Wind Waker now. Oh, we have to find a new land. Oh, it's Phantom Hourglass time. And then Spirit Tracks, or whatever the fuck those order was. I played all and beat all of them, and they were fucking garbage. <laughs> He's a man who's passionate about his all games. Games. I'm with it. 
How do you how, now? Here's a question: How does uh, Link's appearance in Soul Calibur Four fit into all that? Or was I it Soul Calibur Three? Did I misspeak? Is it Soul Calibur Three? I know I know nothing about Zelda, so I'm really bad at this one. I I still think it's Soul Calibur Three, and it's not canon. I still think Zelda's the one that's dressed Link's like Peter Pan. Link's better than Spawn, so. so that's why he was there. I don't know. Yeah, it was what was it? Spawn for Xbox. It was Link for GameCube, and it was. Hayashi from Tekken for fucking PlayStation. PlayStation so was weak because yeah, Hayashi is so lame. Like I love Tekken, but Hayashi was not. Yeah, right of all cold. the characters they could have gone for, I mean, but I guess Hayashi's kind of like your iconic one, I guess. Right. Like, but so. it's just like what? He's, he was always my favorite character. <laughs> no, I was always a Steve, was I was a Steve Fox guy in the later games, but no, it's just one of those things where it's like, oh fucking. It's, oh my god, Link from Legend of Zelda, how cool. Oh my god, fucking Spawn. And the PlayStation, oh, somebody's granddad has joined the fight. <laughs> they couldn't get that, uh, was that Eddie? Was that the one that you could like, oh, yeah, Eddie spam, Gordo. The, yeah. spam the shit out of everybody? Capoeira, man. Make it, hey, just let me jam this button until you're dead. <laughs> that, was, that was my boy. That was my jam right there. <laughs> <laughs> you bullshitter. Anyway. Uh, uh, no, I'm serious. That was no, I'm game. saying I'm, you're a bullshit player. Oh, yeah, no, yeah I'm completely a bullshit player. That I'm yeah. thoroughly okay with. Anyway, um, so since you are so passionate about using your neighbor's N64, what was your preferred wrestling video game for N64? Uh, no Mercy. I don't think there's a better game for the N64 wrestling-wise than No Mercy. I don't think there's a better game for the N64, period. <laughs> you make a strong point. Well, no, but there's awkward at time in Majora's Mask. <laughs> he's got to keep his story straight. Don't, right. fucking, don't try to trip him up. Um, so... Uh, one question I actually have. You know what? I want to ask the David Starr question here. Okay. Because uh, Anthony's had, like, first-hand experience with this. So, um, a while ago, we had David Starr on the show. Actually, three, three, four years ago now. Yeah. David Starr on the show. And he brought up... <laughs> to be more specific on which time we've been right. David Starr on. Uh, and he brought up this, this, this idea that, you know, everybody talks about what's killing the business, what's killing the business, what's killing the business. And um, his point was that, uh, like... True part-timers were killing the business, meaning people who weren't trained, who um, basically are willing to work for free. Um, he had a stance at the time that that was really hurting the talent pool overall, and that was hurting wrestling. Um, so, Anthony, what are your thoughts on this? What do you feel is, is truly hurting wrestling, and do you think uh, part-timers has some kind of effect on that? I, I completely agree with that. Uh, as a standpoint, I don't know what it's like in Florida. Uh, standpoint from Indiana, every decent sized town you go to, you're going to have its localized wrestling show, sometimes two or three. Uh, a place where I've been wrestling in uh, Richmond, Indiana for the last few years, uh, we can't draw a crowd more than 100 people, and we can't get 90 percent of the buildings because there's a garbage promoter that ran out there for so long and damaged the buildings uh wouldn't pay his bills uh they bring in these untrained workers that would do stupid stuff that would end up getting people in the crowd hurt and just around here you have so many untrained or like half trained people that are like oh well i don't need to do this now uh you don't want to book me on your shows yet i'm just gonna buy a ring and run my own show yeah in all of Indiana, there's maybe 12 reputable companies, but there's probably 40 or 50 people that run shows in the in the state. Jesus. And I definitely partially train people and then promoters that are like, well, I don't want to pay people to be on my show, so I'm going to book anybody that will come in for free, and then I'm just going to make it whatever money I can make. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, now, we've had, you know, all walks of life respond, but no one has really had that kind of first-hand experience like right. that. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, any plans to well, try to wrestle out of state? The That's the issue. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, any plans to uh, get any bookings out of state, or are you just trying to – are you fronting a one-man crusade to make wrestling great in Indiana again? Yeah, the official do-the-drives from, like uh... – <laughs> I actually don't wrestle in Indiana very often. Really? I wrestle a a local show here on Friday nights. That's mostly, I'll do that one because it's a 20-minute drive, and I can do that one for shirt sales or, you know, get some media for my Instagram. 
you know, stuff to pick up online. Uh, and then most of the shows I wrestle are up near, you know, Detroit, uh, Toledo, uh, out towards Pittsburgh. I'll go down to Tennessee. Uh, I actually don't think I've made my way into Illinois, but I have some bookings coming up out in Davenport, Iowa. Uh, like, I don't stay local very often, and when I do, it's maybe I'll do a couple, few shows. But again, uh, I go a lot of places where I can get Sadie booked. You know, we go out as a group, give like a, we'll cut a deal, you know, knock a little bit off our price, but then we go out together because we're going to make more money together that way between what we sell in pictures and stuff like that because girls always make more money than, than I do. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, being but, in, in the yeah, merchandising I, game as we are, he's not wrong. Right. And do you see? Do you see yourself because because you're well, traveling I, so much? I you, get most of my stuff from you guys anyway. So, right. Well, we thank you for that. Fullygimmick.com, by the way, right, for exactly. all of your. Hold on, here. Let's get the. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, fullygimmick.com. Yes, fullygimmick.com for all your merchandise needs, including uh, various members of Future Gimmick, including but not limited to Anthony Lee, who's on this show right now. There we go. Um, but anyways, what was your what was your question? Oh, uh, I was gonna so. I guess, are you looking, do you normally look to get booked individually with you guys traveling together, or are you looking to, to make it more of the team type thing? Because I'm noticing lately, especially with like uh, Joey and uh, the, and the world's cutest tag team, Joey yeah. and Candace, um, our friend Jason Cade, and, and Vita uh, Scott, Vita Scott uh, John Cruz, and uh, Angel Rose, uh, Trip Cassidy and Priscilla Kelly. There are a lot more intergender tag teams sort of branching out and becoming a thing. Yeah. So I feel like now is a great opportunity for you guys. So are you trying to market yourselves as a tag team, or are you willing to just go, oh, no, we'll both show up at the show, and we'll both do singles, and that's fine? Uh, it's uh, people, when we're reaching out, when we reach out for bookings, I'll always be like, I, this is what my price is. I would like to, you know, if you have, if, if there's a opportunity for me to come in, this is what I need. Uh, I can also bring a, my uh, wife with me, she's been working for this long, and then give all of her information and like, this is what we'd be together, though. Because people bring you in, and then you're like, okay, now we can ask for more, or ask for our original price, and people are more willing to work that way. Hmm. We usually wrestle, we'll go out places and wrestle singles, but we're always open to do intergender tag. Because I'm just wondering. Or not intergender. Intergender like me and her against two other guys is fine or two girls whatever well I mean you and your wife and two girls is usually always a great thing thank you (laughs) so um, but yeah no I mean and like I said just because of how much it's becoming more of a thing and Lucha Underground especially has obviously made it kind of almost a it's hard to say Lucha Underground makes it a mainstream thing but I mean it's, it's on television now more would be getting that mixed tag type thing and it seems like that's becoming a, a new normal so that that's definitely possibly a, a way to look at it nowadays so so yeah like we said i think now is a beautiful opportunity for you guys to start getting booked as a, a mixed tag team and now it actually makes you want to book a tag team tournament of nothing but, but intergender tag. tag teams yeah i think that would be super interesting because like you said you know we mentioned before typically it's oh guy and a girl versus two guys or right. you know, whatever the case is um, but I think that would be interesting. That would be a wonderful thing to to brawl about a little bit. <laughs> uh, that would be a wonderful thing to, I need to win the lottery so I can put that <laughs> well, together. Uh, anyway, so Anthony, uh, in addition to asking uncomfortable questions about uh, which Legend of Zelda better, is better and uh, why part-timers are killing the business, we have two very specific questions. No, we don't. We have three. Very three specific. very specific questions. We have not asked the Trevor Adams Memorial. Oh, God, God damn, damn it. it. You're right. Okay. <laughs> so, Let's start with that one, Chad. Go ahead. The Trevor Adams Memorial question. So, Anthony, you are uh, driving late at night. You're on your way home from a, a wonderful show. You've got money in your pocket, but a rumbly in your tumbly. Uh, you see a light heading towards you for you to get food. Is that... Is that wonderful beacon of light a Sheets, or is that a Wawa? Um, I don't know what the fuck those are. (laughs) (laughs) Well then, fuck that question. I'll go to a Speedway and get some $1.50 hot dogs. (laughs) He clearly does not give a shit about his (sighs) bubble. Boy, that escalated quickly. 
Um, so. No, Sheets and Wawa are both uh, gas station eateries um, in the south and east, I guess mostly eastern right. seaboard. Um, so if you I'm do, surprised working in Pittsburgh, he hasn't hit. He hasn't I was just to say when when you work Pittsburgh, you may run into a Wawa or a Sheets at that point, right? And then you'll think. I hopefully, think of a fun. I get a lot of tangent. I try not to I try not to eat a whole lot while I'm on the road. It's usually like have a bunch of like beef jerky or peanuts or something with me, stuff that I can bring from home because where I work uh, during the week as a shoot job, I can get like cases of Jack Flicks for three dollars. <laughs> I'll be sending you a private message later. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be some business worked out here. Anyway, um, so the other two no, questions. Let's talk. Right. They're nice. <laughs> so question number one, Anthony. Uh, unfortunately, in the wonderful world of professional wrestling, we lose a lot of talent early. And so uh, with that in mind... Uh, if there is any wrestler who is no longer alive that you could have worked with or talked to or learned from, who would it have been and why? Um, I would say Benoit. That's uh, the that is my favorite wrestler. Um, still, like even despite everything, you know, ten years ago, uh, as a wrestler, that was uh, I, I idolized him. Uh, I've always wanted to match his intensity and his style. Uh, he's the reason I throw suplexes the way I do. He's the reason I hit people the way I do uh, because I wanted to be like him. And I know there's a lot of people that work that strong style and technical style now, but I try to stay the most intense out of anybody. I want to stand out the way he did, just pure intensity. And I feel like going one-on-one with somebody like that, I'd get the shit kicked out of me and I'd learn from it. No, I think he's, with, he's I, honest about it. I, was like, I think in wrestling, that's the most you can ask for is to get the shit kicked out of you and learn something from it. Uh, question number two: We here at the IndyCast believe that every animal in nature is given certain uh, evolutionary traits to ensure its survival. For instance, rhinos have a big horn, giraffes a long neck, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, our belief is that mankind, as an animal, their evolutionary trait is their ability to use tools. So. The beef jerkiest man in wrestling, Anthony Lee. <laughs> Why is that not on a shirt? If you could fight any animal, what would it be, and what weapon do you use? Oh, Jesus Christ, what? Um, you know, I listened to this show, A Decent Amount, and you think I would have, like, had an idea for that by now. Yeah, uh, you would have imagined you would have done your homework on that. That's a wrestling weapon? Oh, doesn't, have to, doesn't have to be a wrestling weapon. No, no, yeah, true. We, we, we've we've had weapons ranging from tack hammers to flaming swords. You can use yeah, whatever true. whatever you want. I mean, if you want to be a wrestling weapon, go nuts. But uh, man, you guys get some weird questions. I feel you know what? I threw out a random Legend of Zelda list like off the top of my head, and I can't think of shit right now. Uh. Just thought that would help out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I feel like I could probably take on a bear. Uh, weapon wise, just because it's weird. I'm pretty sure I could take down a bear with a medicine ball. With a medicine ball, a bear will never see it coming. With a medicine ball, <laughs> he would never see it coming. I do a lot of CrossFit, and we take 25-pound medicine balls and have to throw them all the way to the ceiling and catch them and then do a squat, and we do that a hundred fucking times for the beginning of a workout. At this point, I'm pretty sure I could throw a heavy-ass medicine ball and knock a bear out. Now, fun fact about that exercise, I did that once. I threw the ball up in the air, caught it, took a squat, shit my guts out right there on the floor. (laughs) I was never asked to come back to that CrossFit gym ever again. You were asked never to come back to that kinder care ever again. <laughs> that, that Chuck E. Cheese manager was furious with me and wanted to know where I got that medicine ball from, but I'll never tell. Anyway. Well, you, you want it with tickets, obviously. <laughs> yeah, joke's on that. What were they expecting? Of course I'm going to CrossFit and shit my pants at a Chuck E. Cheese. That's what, that, that's what, what they were have asking you, for. Have it. you ever had their pizza? <laughs> he didn't even eat the medicine ball. Have you ever had 
their pizza. Well, anyways, uh, Anthony, this is the most important important part of the show. You can say that again. Uh, where, <laughs> shut up. Or you can get your shit in. So, A, where can people find you on social media? Where can they find you in person wrestling? And where can they buy some of your wonderful merch? Fullygimmick.com. Um, the floor is yours. Stuff on fullygimmick.com now? It, uh, I, it's going to be as soon as I open the door, yell at the cat who's been meowing, and then yell at Luna to listen on the website. Um, I'm on Twitter at Where's Your Hero. I'm on uh, Facebook at Anthony Lee official fan page, and I'm on uh, Instagram as Lost Anthony Lee. And then you can buy my shirts at ProWrestlingTees.com/slash/LostCauseAnthony Lee. And then apparently FullyGimmick.com. Man, for the last year ago, whatever you guys could be as that was awesome. Uh, well, uh, Anthony, thank you so much for putting up with our irreverent <laughs> brand of bullshit questioning. Fullygimmick.com oh, slash cool. beef jerky. Thanks for be on the show and ruin my credibility with that what animal would I fight question. That was fantastic. <laughs> well, I was going to say, we'll remember that we'll have memories of, uh, of you having the Legend of Zelda list cocked and locked and ready to go and then being befuddled by the, by the last question on the show. But... But look soon for a, uh, a wrestling promotion near you. Uh, Anthony Lee's going to go full Bachwinkle. He's going to beat the shit out of a bear with a medicine ball <laughs> in the wrestling ring. Yeah. And he's going to take a sick bump that on it, bear, too, and right. land on the, on the good meaty part of his neck. He's going to tell the bear to make sure he moves out of the corner. <laughs> oh, yeah, I completely spaced that part. I'm at WCWO in Indianapolis, Indiana, every Friday night, uh, June 24th. I'm uh, Visionary Championship Wrestling in Richmond, Indiana. Uh, think those are the only shows I have for June. So, so, book, so book this man, goddammit. Yeah, exactly. Once we get a, a tangible... Man, I, I have boots, I have full of gimmick t-shirts to sell, and I will travel anywhere. With or without his wife. Right. Book him into gender, goddammit. We well, can... I was just gonna say, I like the I like the uh, the mantra of have boots, have merch, will travel. I think that's pretty legit. So anyway, uh, Anthony, thank you so much for being on this show, and thank you to our lovely dozens and dozens of listeners for listening to this uh, episode of the IndieCast that has a guest, which means people will actually listen. There you go. Uh, thank you all for listening. On behalf of Chad Allen, both of our wives who aren't here, I am Zach Romero saying... Deuces! Deuces.